of Faith with Nae Lupondwana, 7 to 8 p.m. It's now after seven. Good evening and welcome. You're listening to Facts of Faith. We're together till eight o'clock. Good evening and thank you very much for tuning in and making us your late night listening or early evening listening experience. Thank you very much, Tariqa Stevens. Went out in such a rush today. Where are you off to, Ricky? Who are you rushing off to, Ricky? Anyway, we are talking about a conversation that is a carryover from last week's conversation. So, Recently, we have seen the Methodist Church on South Africa, uh, South African Africa, has affirmed that it now recognizes the rights of the LGBTIQ community to get married. Not that it had the choice, because the legislation in our country accepts and recognizes all persons to have the right to be married, including the LGBTIQ community. Also, with reference to the Bible's position with regards to slavery and the contentions thereof, I'm sure you've listened to our conversation going back and forth around that conversation. When one thinks of the books that were left out of the Bible, we recognize the fact that, well, there was a decision taken to exclude certain books, take note, certain books out of the Bible when they were codified in the Bible. So, can one make an argument that all scripture that today may be seen as discriminatory, sexist, seen to be anti-LGBTIQ marriage relationships. Can those parts of the Bible, or so those books in the Bible, be removed from the Bible? 
Now, take note, we're focusing on the Bible not exclusively. We're referring to the Bible as one of the most prominent books of the Abrahamic faiths. Christians got their text, the Old Testament, from the very same book that we're talking about, the Bible. All those books, Christians use the very same books and Jews use the very same books and Muslims use the very same, they call them prophets. So we're trying to establish now if there is any legitimate cause to remove certain parts of these books that are in today's time seen by the law, for example, to be anti-gay. Just giving an example. And many other texts that may be anti any of the things that we have accepted and permitted in our country. What do you think? Should we remove those parts of the Bible? Well, if you're one of those people who'd like to join in the conversation, would like you to do that, call us right now. 0891-104-207, 0891-104-207. Send your text messages to 441391. 41391. And you could send your WhatsApp text to our WhatsApp line 0614-104-107. 0614-104-107. My name is Nayelo Pondwana. This is SFM. You're listening to Facts of Faith. Let's begin. Naye Lupondwana on SAFM. Here we go. Let me introduce you to our guests in no particular order. Oh, and by the way, I've just been given a different line now. The call line. So the number changes to 011-714-2006. 011-714-2006. Please use that number to call us. 011-714-2006. Let me introduce you to our guests in no particular order. We do have Rabbi Julia Margolis, chairman of the South African Center for Religious Equality and Diversity Sacred. Good evening to you, Rabbi, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk Good to us. Good evening. And also we do have Dr. Taj Hargi, founder of the Open Mass. Dr. Hargi, good evening to you. Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening. Also we do have Prophet Lakilu Bepe, popularly known as Mzansi's Prophet. Good evening to you, Prophet Lubepe. Good evening, Naya, and good evening, Prophet. Let's jump right in, and we're going to begin with you, Prophet Lubepe. First and foremost, we're talking about the scriptures in totality, not just the Bible, and all the Abrahamic communities that refer to the very same prophets that you refer to as their own prophets are also involved. So please, in your understanding, should these parts of the Bible that are seen to be anti-gay, for example, be removed since our country is not anti-gay, it is pro-gay? Okay, let me start off this conversation by saying my one of the basic or foundational truths of the Christian Bible, something that you should know as a grassroots understanding of the Christian Bible, is that it cannot be changed under no circumstances. Um, where, where did you get that from, Prophet? I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures for that, but I want to just buttress this point. You 
cannot, nobody has the authority and the audacity to change the Christian Bible, and I will support it by a couple of scriptures. Once you do that, you have committed a, a content against the constitutionality of the Bible at the highest order. I'm going to give a couple of scriptures Go ahead. Uh, to qualify that. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 to verse 6. I'm going to read. It says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. The closing verse of this uh, uh, reference is my healing verse. It says, Do not add to his word, lest he rebuke you, and you be found a liar. Now let me read again another uh, uh, scripture. Deuteronomy chapter number 4, verse 2, it says, You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor subtract from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. The other scripture that also buttresses the same point is found in the book of Revelation 22, verse 18 and uh, to verse 19. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to this thing, God will add to him the plaques that are written in his book. And if anyone subtracts from the words of this book of prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. So those are just fundamental and foundational prescripts of the Bible. That makes you and I to clearly understand that the Bible in its inclusion is irrevocable. You cannot amend it, you cannot subtract from it, and you cannot add anything, particularly if it is in the interest of propagating a personal agenda. You cannot do that. All right. So help me understand. The Bible as we have it has 66 books. Yes. And in those 66 books, there are other books that have been mentioned there they're not part of the 66 books. Can we therefore say that the Bible is incomplete because there are some parts of the Bible that have been involved? The question I will pose to that is, where are those books that we don't know of? I'll give you an example. The Bible references in the book of uh, Chronicles and the book of Kings, the books of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah and the books of the Chronicles of uh, the, the Kings of Israel. Those are not there. The very same Bible references the books of the Maccabees. Well, not mentioned there. It's not there. The books of Eden. Of There are many, many, many books that have been referenced from the Bible that are not part of the 66 books. Is it not true to say that the Bible as we have it is an incomplete document? Already there have been some scriptures that were subtracted from the 66 or two formulate only 66 there were more scriptures but they were subtracted we only are left with 66 even those now because of uh, people who are translating and translating and translating there are some verses that are utterly omitted are removed from the very same text is it not true their prophet that the bible as we have it is an incomplete document anyone and I will repeat, anyone who comes up with that argument and says the Bible is incomplete, the burden of proof should lie on that person. 
they should be able to prove and find... I've given you the proof already there, uh, uh, Prophet. I need yeah, you to respond no, to the proof. I've, I've, I've given what you... What I'm saying is the very scriptures that you say are missing in the Bible, can you provide those scriptures for us? Where are they? What I'm saying is let's work with what we have. No, no, no. No, 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 Prophet. Let's... let's that let's ad- there are scriptures that are missing. Prophet, you need... Find them. No, no. Prophet, say they are missing I'll give you a... Se- bring them to us. Prophet. So that we can argue on the basis of something that is a public information. Prophet. I, I need you to be in order. I need you to be in order. First and foremost, those books are very much available. I can give you many of those copies. I have personal copies of the book of Enoch, for example. The fact that you are, you are suggesting that they are not there is utterly untrue. You know for a fact that those Bibles, those books are readily available for any and everyone who wants to read them. What I'm Go to any exclusive books right now. You can get the book of 90- Enoch. Naya, 90% of the people who are listening to us right now have never seen those books that we are talking about. They are not readily available to people. So that's what I'm saying. We can't base an argument on something that is a classified artifact. I'm going to say this again, Reverend. Something that people, Any and everyone. Who are listening to me now. No, 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 Prophet. That is that is downright dishonesty now because we know for a fact. Go to any bookstore, any reputable bookstore, because the books that I have, I didn't source them from heaven. You go to any bookstore, exclusive books, for an example. See, in any bookstore, anyone that sells books, they will give you those. They will order the book for you and you'll, you can get it. It is not true for you to say that people have never seen those books. That's not true. The question that I need you to answer still, without being prevaricating there, uh, Prophet, is it not true, knowing full well that those books are out there but not included in the 66 books, they are therefore a representation of a subtraction. There have been some texts in the scripture, the entirety of scripture, that were removed and we were left with 66 books. Is that not true? Look, uh, my argument will still remain. There. So you're not going to answer the question, Prophet. If you, if you're not going to answer the question, no, no, just no. tell me you're going to answer you're, you're, because you're, you're prevaricating that. Rep- an assertion that I don't agree with. I, I don't know those books. I've never seen them. Okay. I don't know who wrote them, and I don't know where they are as we are talking right now. I can only answer for the Bible that we know, okay. which has got sixty-six books, and I read you verses from that Bible. I'm not ready to make a reference of the literature that I have never seen. Or even know who wrote it. The the, the very same. Oh oh oh, prophet oh prophet. First, you you know for a fact that as you sit there in your theological seminaries, there are many parts of your Bible that you don't know who wrote them. I'll give you a simple example. You don't know who wrote the Book of Esther. It is not true for you to say that you can't speak of books that you don't know who wrote them. You don't. There is no theologian to date that knows who wrote the book of Esther. You, as you sit there, you have never seen any theologian, any study that says the book of Esther. I'm just giving you one example of the many books in your Bible that you still don't know who wrote them. But you're quoting them as though they are the gospel truth. So to, for you to say that you can't quote, talk about books that you don't know who even wrote them. That's not true. You're already preaching based on those two six, and many of those, you don't know who wrote them. Think about that, and please, I need an answer. Is it yes. not true that the 66 is a representation of a series of books that were removed? Think about it. I still need an answer there, unless you're not going to answer there, Prophet. Stand by. Yeah. Hashtag SAFM Facts of Faith. 
All right, let's bring in other guests to contribute to our conversation. You're already understanding where we're coming from. We're trying to get an answer to the question. Since we know that there are some texts, this is a matter of fact. This is a matter that all seminaries, all theological institutions within the borders of the Republic of South Africa and outside, they will tell you without the prevarication that we're hearing from the prophet here, that there are some texts that were not included in the 66 codification of the Bibles. As we have it today, this is a matter of fact, you don't even have to go to a seminary for that. Just pick up the phone and ask Vitz University. But hey, that's what we're trying to get to now. Can we, because we know this as a matter of fact, can we take the liberty of saying, hell, if we have removed some parts of scripture, may very well go ahead and remove other parts of scripture. Let's bring in Dr. Hargi. Dr. Hargi, your response. Well, so the Quran is very clear. I mean, the book is uh, the sacred scriptures for all time and, uh, and, uh, and uh, cannot be changed. We have a beautiful verse in the Quran, chapter 6, verse 115. It says, the word of your Lord is perfected in truth and justice. None can change his words or laws. He is all hearing, all knowing. And there's several other verses of that uh, that, that elaborate upon that. What is clear is that in today's life, in the contemporary times with COVID-19 and, and all other types of negative uh, repercussions, we need to reinterpret the, the, the text. We don't need to jettison the, jet, the text. There's nothing wrong with the text. What is wrong in Islam is the interpretation of uh, fundamentalist scholars and uh, theologians who have totally distorted the original pristine meaning. That is what's needed. Not to throw the baby with the bathwater. So I think, you know, this idea that we need to change the text or get rid of the text or whatever the case may be, I myself as a as a Islamic theologian and scholar, I don't buy into that. I think what we need to do, we say in terms of race, whether it's gender, sexuality, uh, any other, other hot-button issues, we have to look at, uh, at it in a different light and see, uh, have we actually interpreted God's words as, as intended, or are we following man-made uh, medieval interpretation without thinking. And that is, I think, is the biggest problem for Muslims today. Can we actually upgrade and update our, our interpretations instead of being prisons of the past? So that's, that, that, that's the position that uh, I hold. Is it not true, um, uh, Dr. Hargi, that uh, the, the Muslim faith and the talk document that we're referring to now as the Quran came long after much of what we're talking about to be the Abrahamic text was written and written things that were not in the Abraham, original Abrahamic text. Isn't that not true? No, I think it's, it's, you're certainly not up to date with latest scholarship. I mean, for example, in uh, about five years ago at the University of Birmingham, they found a few sheets of, uh, of Arabic script, thought it was a, a later date, then they subjected it to carbon-14 uh, uh, dating at Oxford University, and you lo and behold, they found that this, these sheets of chapter 19 of the Quran, so it wouldn't just exist for chapter 19, but for the entire book, came and dated between the dates 570 Muhammad's birth, and 540, and Muhammad, uh, sorry, 640. And so Muhammad died 632. 
right? So clearly there were copies of the Quran available then. And the Quran also makes a fantastic claim and so far has been, um, been substantiated in chapter 15, verse 9, that uh, God will preserve the text. And so for all the, the, the doomsayers and naysayers out there, the Quran as we have it now, whether it's Sunni Quran, Shia Quran, whatever, it's all the same. And so we have a Quran of 6,236 verses that haven't changed. And I think what needs to change is interpretation. So instead of jettisoning the text, let's go back to interpretation and see. The, you see, the Quran has two audiences. The first audience is the immediate initial 7th century Bedouin Arab audience. That's the first immediate audience. The second audience is the intended audience, me, you, everyone else coming after us. So he's speaking, he's speaking to both audiences. He's speaking to people initially receiving the word from uh, Gabriel Raya Muhammad. So it relates to that. And then, of course, it has, for me, this timeless and timely guidance for us today re- regarding all the big issues. The Quran says five brilliant things about itself. It says it's complete and detailed, number one. Number two, it says that nothing of, of substance has been left out. Number three, it says God doesn't forget. Number four, God doesn't make a mistake. And very importantly, God doesn't run out of words, number five. So these are the things that the Quran is talking about. And so it's clear to me, as a devout believer and as an academic uh, in the subject, that this text has got a relevance and resonance for me today. And all I need to do, all that I need to do is to interpret it to see where are the solutions. The Quran actually has a beautiful verse in uh, chapter uh, 4, verse 83, where it says, uh, heaps praise on those, quote, those are them who can search out the knowledge of it. Searching out the knowledge from the text. What I'm uh, in other words, engaging your brain, seeing what is the situation, uh, resolving contemporary issues and problems and challenges, and how to deal with it. Let's Instead of being fossilized uh, followers let's let's of medieval interpretations. Dr. That Hargit, is the biggest problem of Islam. I, I, we, are, I, I we are prisoners of the past, Dr. Hargit, and we do not know how to use the text to guide us in the present and certainly into the future. Dr. Hargi, I need you to verify a few points for me, since you're so clued up with Islamic scholarship, and I appreciate that. When we're talking about, for example, the story of Abraham and his sons, is it not true that as recorded in your scriptures, it's very different from what is recorded in the scriptures that um, Rabbi Margolis will be quoting from? The very same story of Abraham and his sons. Is it not true that the way you have represented the story is not the same as they have represented the story? Uh, there are some differences, and I would say these are not major uh, deal-breaking differences. But I think the point is to be obsessive about trivial differences between the three Abrahamic religions is neither here nor there. What is important is the story of Abraham and Isaac is that, you know, that they, they, they submission and sacrifice to the, uh, the uh, submission and surrender to the Lord. That's the issue here. Whether it is Abraham, whether it is Ishmael or whoever, that to me is neither here nor there. The, unfortunately, those, those Dr. Hargi, that is... Are, are side issues. The, the priority issue is uh, God is asking his devotees, no, 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 whether Hargit. they're Jews I want to remind or you again. or Muslims, all of his devotees, will Dr. Hargit, do this. Dr. Hargi, uh, and, and, so that's I, what we're looking at. You, you can say it's not material, but the very fact that because of those distinctions, you are not sharing a faith. Quite frankly, the very same ultimate theses of these faiths 
is one diametrically opposed to the other, in spite of the fact that Ishmael and no, Isaac are both sons I, of the same Abraham. You don't understand the Quran because they did. Chapter 2, verse 62. Chapter 5, verse 69 says what? Surely the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims, and the Sabians, whosoever, whosoever, believes in God in the last day and does good deeds, will have the reward with their Lord, will have no fear to grieve. Here the Quran is talking about inclusivity. You're talking about exclusivity on the basis of, with due respect to you, of not full Quranic knowledge. The Quran talks about inclusive salvation. Salvation in Islam is not meant for Muslims alone. It is meant for all God-conscious people who do good on earth and who pray and submit to the Creator. Unfortunately, that inclusivity... Creator, Yahweh, Doc, Jehovah, Dr. Hargi, Huda, Bhagwan, it doesn't really matter. Dr. Hargi, again, that is very, very fine for you to say it, but the fact that even today you call yourself a Muslim and she calls herself a Jew, that, for the very fact, that is predicated on your faiths doesn't speak to that inclusivity you are not one and the same people while you may say the, the quran speaks yeah, of I mean, inclusivity i'm for heaven's sake i mean it's kind of for you to think all of all of us must take the high road which and no part are the you road or the low inclusive road. i mean there are many many roads to the creator and for Dr. Hargi, that still doesn't Jews, answer my question. Dr. Hargi, obsessively fixated about our why differences, the... and by the way, to score petty points of being superior than others, I think that is a disservice to religion. Dr. Hargi, why are you not my Jewish counterparts or my Christian brethren? Tell me, tell I me. I only see what is the commonality. Let's all work towards Dr. You know, creating a better world for everyone. Dr. Hargi, for everyone will benefit. Kindly... That is the priority of Islam, and that is how I see my faith. As exemplified where? In South Africa, we don't see that, in, that, that, that inclusivity. In yeah, Israel, example, we don't see that inclusivity. In the Middle East, we don't see that inclusivity. Show me that inclusivity, Dr. Hardy. Totally distorted Christianity. Now, do you say Christianity is bad? Or do you say that the medieval Christians Hargi, were bad? Or show me the, the inclusivity. You can't blame the faith, the religion. Yes, I was the first one. I'm, I'm on record of blaming Muslims for all the bad things they do, not just in South Africa. In fact, just today, I've said I've been all over to the newspapers uh, condemning what happened in France two, two days ago. Dr. Hargi, with respect, uh, you're digressing right now. Because he's teaching uh, children about uh, Dr. freedom of expression. You're okay? digressing so with respect. We Muslims need to be in, uh, Dr. Hargi is not listening. We need to be self-critical. Dr. Hargi? I, I need you to pay attention. We cannot go on and on. We need, you're digressing now. I need us to focus. Remember, the focus we're trying to get to now is these texts that we call our faith texts have landed us where we are today. And they are not the same. What we need to understand is we all claim to be part of this Abrahamic pedigree and yet... We have Christians, Jews, Muslims, at least represented in our platform today. If we are going to speak of inclusivity, as represented by what? Let's bring in uh, 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 Dr. Hargi. Dr. Hargi, do you want to give us an example of this inclusivity that is represented in your scriptures? 
uh, only men should go to Friday mosque for Friday prayers. Where is that in the Quran? It's nowhere to be found in the Quran. All of these things that you see as Islam Dr. and Hagi. what Muslims are doing, I have to tell you very respectfully, it is not in the sacred okay. scripture. All right. Let's bring in uh, Rabbi Margolis. Rabbi, um, thank you very much again for uh, being patient with us. We're trying to get to the Before bottom of the of this conversation we're talking about the text we have seen that there have been many texts and in your context there are many jewish texts that are part of what we now know to be the old testament absolutely does it not stand to reason i'll give you an opportunity just now let me just put the question there rabbi does it not stand to reason therefore that if there are some that have been in the past removed from the current code it stands to reason that we can remove some more and make a different code yes you go can go ahead rabbi um, I was hoping that I will speak before Dr. Hargi because I knew that after <laughs> his um, submission to you, I will actually not have many things to say. Okay. Because, I mean, we know, <laughs> me and him, we go for many years um, back and we know each other very good and I know exactly where he stands from the theological point of view. And I will be honest with you, many, many, 90% of the things that, that Dr. Hargi says um, I could I could change a word Islam to Judaism and present to you the same text. Yeah, because what we and we do agree, all of us I believe that um, all our scriptures they divinely inspired and nothing it is simply gets thrown out. We can't do that. The written record remains forever, and this is the record that serves us as a moral um, guidepost and the record of God's dealings us as human beings. But this is possible that even some of the commandments that we're receiving, they stop being followed according to the letter. Because think about all the commandments that we cannot simply um, do because there is no temple anymore, for example. But there are commandments that doesn't matter what we have to obey. And it, it's all about us and God. And I think it is the most important relationship that we have and to understand what are the God's commandments and not man's commandments. Okay, let, let me see if I understand you well, Rabbi. You're suggesting that this is the infallible wor- word of the Almighty, correct? Am I understanding you well, Rabbi? There is a word of God that we cannot find. Yeah. And when we're speaking of this word, we're referring only to those books that we now see in the code, not none of those yes, that were excluded. I'm talking about five books of Moses. Okay, so you 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 you'd love to be tell me? Are you therefore saying those that were excluded are not the word of God? No, 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 no. I did not say that. I'm asking you to that. answer, answer the question. I'm talking from Jewish point of view. Tanakh. Yeah. I'm, one of the interesting. Those are the books that. This is what I'm talking about. I'm I'm asking that very same question. Are you suggesting other books that are referenced in the Tanakh but not included? Are are you suggesting that those are not the Word of God? They are the Word of God. And as we know, and I think we're all um, intelligent and grown-up people to know that books were 
written and rewritten. Yes. And for example, you 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 spoke earlier about Book of Esther. Some people say that Esther was written by was written by Ezra. Some people say that it was probably written by Mordechai. Yes, but yes. it's again what you read. But the most important thing is that with what interpretation you're looking at those texts. But this 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 the question still stands, Rabbi. Those that were not included, are you saying they are not the word of God? No, no, I did not say that. No. What are you saying? Why were they excluded if they are? Are they the word of God? Because those were books that were compiled by people. There is divine writing, but they were all put together in different um, times by human beings. Yeah. And because of many different reasons, political um, and all others, those certain books were not included or the other way around. They were included in a later stage. For political reasons and many other reasons, I'm happy that you made that mention there, Rabbi. Therefore, if we have political reasons today and other reasons today, we can therefore go ahead and exclude some that are not politically or other reasons or otherwise expedient. No, we can't because, again, as I mentioned previously, for example, rabbis also change their minds during the century, right? Because yeah. we're extending some commandments and replacing others. Because, again, half of the commandments in the Torah became impossible after the destruction of the temple. So rabbis had to come with um, different idea what they can substitute. For example, there were no synagogues as we know them today because there was a temple, right? So the Tanakh itself shows that history is not static. And yes. what was appropriate for Israel at one stage of the development, it might not be in a it might be inappropriate at another stage. And if the religion of Israel had already reached its perfect form, um, for example, immediately after people entered to the Promised Land, then there would have been no need to subject to any further development for, let's say, next 3,500 years. So, right? But also it's a question of the authority. Who is in charge of deciding what can be changed or what should be changed or cannot. Is it God or human beings? Well, it was human beings when they codified them to 66 and distilled and excluded some. It was human beings, was it not, Rabbi? Yes, they were. Yes. Because it it was human beings who were also charged not to add and not to subtract from the Torah. But they subtracted anyway there, Rabbi. They subtracted anyway. We sit now with certain books excluded because human beings, only men decided, actually, we will only have Esther and Ruth. Everybody else, out. For example, (laughs) in in Leviticus chapter 20, God talks about reasons for the kosher laws, right? Yes. And saying that it's to keep them separate from the nations which engage in more serious wicked practices, right? And, um, Rabbi, Rabbi, it, it, just forgive in, me, Rabbi. And yeah. so I need to take a break. I'll come back and give you an opportunity to continue your thought. Forgive me. Just okay. one, one, one moment. Okay. We have to take a break and come back shortly. <laughs> Make sure you have the facts and not just the faith on SAFM. 17 minutes before 8, Illustrated the Facts of Faith. We're engaged in a conversation trying to understand should and can we remove certain parts of the scripture, seeing that it has been done before, seeing that 
in the process of codification, in the process of putting together the text that we have today, people sat and decided to include some and exclude some. And we appreciate scholarly honesty of the rabbi there that yes, we have some that were excluded. And she went on to say, for other reasons. So we're trying to establish we have reasons today. The Constitution is one of those reasons that says we must not discriminate against LGBTIQ communities. And as such, if our Constitution and our law allows them to be married, why can't our scripture reflect that very political and legislative requirement? Rabbi, forgive me for interrupting. Go ahead. No problem. And um, if you will allow me, I do want to talk about um, the question of um, gay couples and the scriptures. But before that, I started to talk about Leviticus chapter 20. And um, it's quite, it, it's six verses. I um, just, in order to save time, I'm not going to read all of them. But the idea is that why Jews do not eat milk and meat, why the certain foods that Jews cannot eat, right? So the logical structure basically talks that surrounding nations do bad things, for example, like killing their children and many, many other things, having sex with close relatives, and it's a lot of things. God wants Israel to be holy like he is, and he doesn't want that Israelites will do those things. So in order to prevent them from being um, corrupted into these cultures, when, so, so, sorry, Rabbi. When you say bad things, sorry, Rabbi. When you say bad things like having sex with close relatives, you're referring to what Noah and his daughters did. Would that be what you're referring to? I was also talking about um, killing the children. I was talking about eating, um, Kill, killing their own children, like Abraham was ready, able, and willing to kill his own eat. Isaac. And it's a question of faith. <laughs> and it's a question of faith. And as, as as uh, Dr. Uh, Touch said, it yeah. doesn't matter if we're talking about Isaac or we're talking about Ishmael. That was a question of faith. Yeah. Okay, so it doesn't matter what child it but is. But he was willing to kill him. It was, you will it, have to choose which child you want to sacrifice and which one you wouldn't, right? He, he, at, but, at that time, he, he was ready, willing, and able to kill Isaac. We, we, we don't know that. We do not know that. He took only Isaac. Oh, he took only Isaac to the no. mountain. We, no. Ishmael was not there. He was actually ready to kill him. No. It never happened. And, and No, I'm not suggesting it happened, Rabbi. So I'm not suggesting it, it happened. I'm simply suggesting as far as your text is concerned, he rose his hand, he put his, he tied him up, put him on the altar, and he rose his hand with a knife on it, ready to kill him. And then the but angel said, don't kill him. Kill him. Yeah. But the bottom line, he did not. I agree. Him. I agree with that part. What I'm saying is, are you referring to the Abraham who was ready, willing, and able until he was stopped, he was ready, willing, and able to kill his own son. Yes, I'm talking about that. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm talking now, okay? If, we, if, if there is a perfect, let's call it, messianic time, right? And all the nations stop doing um, harm to each other. And suppose we're all living in beautiful, harmonic world. The reason, then, for the kosher commandment would no longer apply. Because then the separation will become counterproductive. And this is, in fact, God's plan. Oh, Rabbi, I'd like to talk to you. Uh, perhaps we might have to schedule another <laughs> conversation. Time, you know, you know where to find me. <laughs> I know. Yeah. All right. Um, let, let's, let's, but but the question, would God 
actually make such profound changes? Yeah. Or, or not? Well, we've seen in the Christian scriptures profound changes. In, 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 in Leviticus 23, your God says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It's also your God, okay? Yeah. Don't, don't go there. No, <laughs> it's my God. And, and then, and then the, 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 the Christian Yeshua, uh, uh, the, the Muslims call him Isa, says, no, you have heard it, a tooth for a tooth, but I say, turn the other cheek. Those are profound changes there, Rabbi. So I'm not quite sure if that would be entirely accurate because we've seen profound changes. No longer does this, okay. this Yeshua in the Christian scripture uh, encourage people to observe the ordinances that you were just referring to in the book of Leviticus, those temple and kosher ordinances, he no longer does that anymore. Quite frankly, he hangs out with all sorts of people, even with women in their time. He had no issue with that woman healing that woman who had an issue with blood. You know that I am the biggest fan of Jesus. <laughs> I, he was reformed rabbi. I said it on your program. I, I will say it for another hundred million years. Yeah. And you know what was his biggest problem? Yeah. Those those rabbis that were sitting in Sanhedrin in Jerusalem yeah. and could not actually see what was happening and how he was engaging with people okay. and right. what he was doing. Because he was, he was progressive. Yeah. Okay? He yeah. understood what was the need of those people in that time. But also I just wanted to, to talk about for a second Bef- about two things. Before, okay? be- before, before you do that, I want to give Dr. Hart an opportunity to speak because um, um, we, we, we need to let him go. Am I, am I correct yeah. there, uh, uh, Joey? Uh, then, oh, oh, he doesn't? Oh, okay. Well, then we'll take a break and come back and then um, we'll bring in uh, your com- comments, your calls, if you have any, and so forth. You're listening to Facts of Faith. Naye Lupondwana on SAFM. Welcome back. You're listening to Facts of Faith, trying to get to the question, trying to get an answer to the question, should and can such verses that are no longer politically expedient or culturally acceptable, or in our case, legislatively contrary, can we remove those? Our constitution says don't discriminate. Those texts seem to be discriminating. So remove them. Can't we do that? Seeing that we have seen texts and books, entire books, being removed from the scriptures or altered. If you were listening to Dr. Hargi, he was saying, yeah, there are certain variations when I asked him about the very way that they narrate the stories that are also in the other Jewish books. The Quran narrates those very same stories slightly, slightly differently. They will see some stories about Isa, this Jesus or the Yeshua of the Christians, there are some stories you'll never find in the four Gospels, but you'll find them in the Quran. You'll find certain variations in the Rebbe, and, 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 and uh, Dr. Hargi suggests, well, those are immaterial. Those are not significant variations. If we do see some variations, are we not entitled and permitted perhaps also to vary the text also slightly, even though it may not be significant as far as other people are concerned? Can we not? Just vary the text insignificantly. Let's go to Durban, Anonymous. Good evening. I am good evening to your guest. I just want to say, you know what, it's proven many times that Ibrahim or Abraham or Ismail or Isaac, God didn't want them. But God put 
Ibrahim or Ismail on a test to see if they love their son more or they loved God more or, or they loved him, that's God more. So that's, that's the reason why they wanted to tell God that they loved him more and they didn't love uh, their son as much as they loved God. They loved their son. But they loved God. Just put them on the test. So that's why God used um, uh, Ismail or Isaac as um, uh, you know to, uh, for him to uh, uh, remove them from this world in in the way of using a knife to um, you know remove them from this world. Or, or, you, you mean kill his own son? Kill, that's... Yes, <laughs> but not kill their son. Not kill their son in the way that you think. I understand. Not in the way that people think how you kill a person every other day. Not Anonymous, I, I, I totally understand and I'm not uh, lost to the theological meaning of, of the story. I'm totally okay with it. I'm not suggesting anything beyond that. However, the story does go as far as saying Abraham took the resolve to take whatever son you want to choose, uh, depending on your faith, and all, sacrifice him there. And I'm suggesting if we're going to have different storytelling the muslim community is going to tell the very same story including ishmael his abraham's first son and yet the jewish community tells the very same story but claims it was not ishmael it was actually isaac and then today we're going to hear both uh, of our leaders today saying it actually doesn't matter whether it was ishmael or isaac because it's a similarity you see the jewish religion it's not a similarity there anonymous because ishmael is the son of hagar Isaac is a son of Sarah. Two different women. Two do, oh, that, that, that I defer with. But oh, Ismail is yeah. only one person I'm referring to. <laughs> okay. From All right. Abraham. All right. Thank you very much, Ma. <laughs> You're welcome. Appreciate it. All right. Let's go to... Okay. All right. My producer is saying no. All right. Um, let's 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 bring back uh, the, 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 the prophet. Prophet, you're listening to your contemporaries. Would you like to change your tune now? Not, not at all. Let me give this a uh, response. I want to settle this argument of historical exclusion of text. Say, say uh, that again. One, the, the what? Say that again, the Prophet. Whole, the, the argument about the historical exclusion of text or script. Okay, right? okay. I want to settle that argument once and for all. Go ahead, I go ahead. Two wrongs don't make right. Which one is the wrong? It's, Which is the first wrong? The first wrong is to subtract the word of God. Oh, so you agree now that they were subtracted. I'm I'm not agreeing. I'm saying if that is what you believe, if you believe there were certain texts of scriptures that were excluded, why do you want to use something that the Bible still says it is wrong to do, to actually um, uh, uh, even commit that wrong again? So it was wrong. Whether they've done it or not, the fact of the matter is we have got sufficient scriptures in the Bible that says that should not be done. Okay. So you cannot, even if it was done, you can't use that as a record to do it again because you are committing a second error in case that was done. So that is the submission I will make. And to come back to what we are talking about. Be- before, you, you know, before, before you move on, um, how, do, how do you explain Jesus changing the very text from do this from no don't don't do it i gave you an example of, of to, to the rabbi of leviticus 23 yeah. saying an eye for an eye tooth for a tooth fracture for fracture but your your jesus says actually you've heard it was said but i say turn the other cheek he he has changed I can, and I added will answer that question in two ways yeah 
theologically speaking, I would answer it in this way, and then I will answer it in terms of faith and conviction. Number one, you must ask yourself, who is this Jesus? To me, this Jesus is not a theologian. This Jesus is not a university graduate. This Jesus is God. So if he says to me, oh. and I'm now saying this to you, I can't put Jesus at the same parallel with the theologian. A okay. theologian is too small. To okay. What Jesus All right. Got it. Got it. Got yes, it. Sir. All right. So I will accept it on the merit of the fact that it was said by Jesus. It was said by Jesus. Jesus. Got it. All right. Just hold the thought. Hold the thought. I want to bring in also because I'm running out of time. Dr. Hargi, you've listened to your contemporaries speaking your response. And this is where your parting shot as well. Go ahead. Yeah, I think you misrepresented what I said earlier. The, the Quran hasn't been changed in any way since the time of Muhammad. Okay, we have documentary evidence for that. In fact, even if you take the idea that the Quran was only compiled 20 years after the Muhammad's death, it still remained intact. Now, when we have difference in stories, which is Isaac or Ismail or whatever, that doesn't detract from the uh, immutability of God's words. You see, what's important, and this is what I want to get over to your listeners, that the, the text is immutable, but interpretations are imperative. Okay, text, immutability, and textual interpretation. So we need to interpret the text. So in terms of the Constitution of South Africa and so forth. But remember, the Constitution of South Africa is a, is a, is a, is a newborn. We're talking about scriptures of, uh, in the Jewish case, several thousand years. In the Muslim case, uh, and in, in, in the Christian case, 2,000 years. In the Muslim case, about 1,400 years. And so if we now suddenly want to, 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 um, to, to uh, oblige whatever this new fact constitution says and by the way human constitutions are bound to change okay we are talking about an even everlasting eternal judgment of God giving guidance to humanity so yes we will try as far as possible to make uh, to, to adhere to the constitutional requirements of, of South Africa but for me as a Muslim as a believer the priority is a divine text and not a constitution got that it, was cobbled it. together by various peoples at different times thank you very much Dr. Hargi uh, Rabbi this is your parting shot go ahead thank you i just want to say that um the idea for example king david um um ate the showbread that was reserved for the press yes. right? and if god was only interested in all the obedience that he needs to do from legal point of view he would never have made david king in the first place because his great grandmother ruth she was from um moab she could not be um, uh, part of the Israelites. And in the Torah, the descendants of the Moabite people were not allowed into the assembly of the Lord down to the 10th generation. And it's all written in the book of Deuteronomy. Um, so I'm trying to say that we, again, Torah and different books uh, were divinely inspired. But we, we cannot forget that we are human beings that give this interpretation to the Torah. And for example, as a progressive Jew, we do welcome um, gay couples into our community. We do welcome them because we do know that those are exactly the same human beings as you and me. And who am I to say to them that they're not welcomed in um, the synagogue and, and be able to be part of the community right. and have connection with the Creator. Let's leave it right there. Thank you very much, Rabbi. I want to play out with one voice note just to respect those of sent voice notes. Go ahead, Sylvester. My view is that uh, you cannot uh, temper with, uh, with the Bible uh, 
to satisfy the constitution the yeah. bible is make is the bible is very clear in terms of uh, tempering with uh, with the bible there are verses uh, for an example that says uh, no nothing shall be subtracted or added you read as is and if you against it it's it's it's, it's, it's your business. Thank you. Lucas right. Thank you very much, Lucas. I appreciate Rabbi Magolis, Dr. Hargi, and Prophet Lubepe. Thank you very much from me and the team. Have a wonderful evening and Godspeed.